Hello, hello. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Raised in Pimp City. I am your host, Armand King, or King Armand, whichever way you want to say it. I'm called by both, and I have been for some time now. Um, Yeah, just coming up off of Mother's Day, which was yesterday. So today we are going to be talking about mothers, pimps and their mothers, the relationships. What was the mother thinking and doing when they knew their son was pimping? If they didn't know their son was pimping, the relationship between the mom and the pimp, raised in Pimp City. First and foremost, it's been a it's been a busy and productive weekend here in San Diego. Um, let's start off with I think it was Thursday night. They had a the William uh, Lynch Foundation for Children had a beautiful gala fundraiser gala in which I was one of the surprise awardees. I didn't know I was going to be, but I was, and I thanked them dearly for, for recognizing the work that I'm, I'm doing in not just San Diego, but striving to do this work across the nation. Um, get those other William Lynch Foundation, they did, um, they did a great job and raised money for um, uh, Saved in America, which is another uh, human sex trafficking advocacy group also um, awarded um, a fellow um, human sex trafficking advocate and survivor leader, Ebony Jones, as well as another young lady who had aspirations to go to um, culinary school. They paid for her to go to culinary school. And Miss Kathy Hardy, who is a veteran in this this, um, quest to save people involved in human sex trafficking. So yeah, it was a beautiful evening. And that was Thursday. Saturday, by Saturday, we were at the annual HT Radar Conference, which is put on by Point Loma Nazarene University, Center for Justice and Reconciliation, uh, spearheaded by my friend and ally, Dr. Jamie Gates. This event, I say, probably had about 250 people in this event, mostly researchers. You had activists, you had survivor leaders, you had a... um, a bunch of people that have a stake in this um, human sex trafficking advocacy realm, including myself. One thing that I didn't really realize until the end of the event, I started thinking of looking at the empty tables. I stayed to the very, very end and looking at these empty tables and realized there was about 200 to 250 people in this building. I would say maybe 30. These are just estimates too, by the way. I did not actually take um, stats, but about 30 of which were males in this in this room. Only one African-American male that I noticed. And I was able to notice him because he was really, really close to me. Matter of fact, he was me. So other than me, I didn't witness or recognize one other African-American male. So this is leading into nothing against the conference. It wasn't that they, you know, they weren't allowed to come. That was not the case at all. Matter of fact, they probably would have been really, really willing and would love to have more. I was there because I'm really the only one that I know that's digging into this this realm of human sex trafficking, advocacy, and just being involved, period. And it's crucial, just like that room of 200, 200 people and me be the only one, I'm also the only um, I'm also the only survivor that was a pimp in this industry. Just me. 
that's willing to talk, help, and give you guys and other advocates others understanding a different point of view. Um, but the event was great. I met this professor, uh, researcher, who was amazing. And literally, I went into her, her breakaway workshop, and she sounded like me and her had already talked. We were on the same page as far as the direction of human sex trafficking, what was going on the under underneath the, the the immediate layer that we all see. And so, yes, I forgot her name, but I know her first name was Laura. So hopefully, we do reconnect, and I can I can we can help each other. Um, okay. So yeah, that that was this weekend. Sunday, yesterday, today's Monday. Sunday was Mother's Day. So, you know, my mother, she lives about an hour and a half, two hours away from where I live. So I drive, I usually record my podcast at that time. You know, this, I have this, this beautiful app called Anchor that I'm released on. I know sometimes it doesn't sound as clear as other podcasts when you're listening to this. And it's because I'm literally driving in my vehicle, conversating out loud. Um, or, you know, this is probably the most peace I could have and clearness of mind. It is 4.30 in the morning right now. It is dark outside still. I'm in traffic, but it's dark outside. And I get to, this helps me stay awake and I also um, clear mind so I can express what I want to express to you and be as, um, you know, as clear and as helpful as possible. Because that is why I'm doing this, striving to help. This doesn't cost you anything. There's no subscription. You know, I didn't ask you for a fee for me to talk. That's not what this is. I'm working on legacy, not currency. I'm working on helping others to to not go down and have to feel they have to go down the same path I did and many of my friends that are no longer living. All right. So Mother's Day. Oh, man, this has been a busy week. Excuse me. I must even rewind back before the William uh, Lynch Foundation, before HT Radar. Here in San Diego, we had the beginning of a gang war that, you know, I'm not just involved in human sex trafficking advocacy. I'm also um, sex trafficking survivor advocacy. I'm also um, heavily involved in just the community um, here, the impoverished, um, the hood community here in San Diego. I'm involved in the gang culture and helping also gang members to see another way and opportunity other than crime. But recently, so we had a, um, we had a four people murdered here in San Diego. Started off with two and then not when, you know, full evidence hasn't come out. This is fresh. This is this week. So what looks like um, a retaliation thing back and forth, but may prove not to be later. I don't know. But either way, we had um, I had to get get dirty again and get into the streets and and try and help in any manner that I could to not see this escalate any further than it already had. Uh, We have lost some some lives and we come down to these lives that have been lost. There are mothers, mothers that will never, ever get over the pain of losing their child, no matter what. We may lose friends, it hurts. We may lose close friends, best friends. But the pain I know I know a mother experiences when their kid, their child is taken from them. Not died of natural causes, not an accident, but was literally taken by another human being's uh, hand. That pain is never 
um, relieved. Never. A few days before before this jumped, this the first murder was on Sunday. Saturday, I was sitting down with my best friend who was also murdered. I was sitting down with his mother. I went to her to talk to her about a documentary that I'm doing, also titled Raised in Pimp City, in which her son would be one of the key characters in this documentary. And I wanted to get her permission. She didn't know why I was coming over her house. I didn't tell her, I don't need to. I just said, mom, I'm coming over. You know, she's like my mom. She said, okay, come on, I'm home. I get over to her house, sit down, we sit down on these this L-shaped couch. In the middle of these couches is a coffee table. On this coffee table, I look down and I notice that there are say about 40 to 50 pictures of my best friend, her son, Richard, laid out, spread out across this coffee table from him in his very, very, very young childhood to him all the way to the age in which he died. And it made me wonder. She didn't know why I was coming over. What is she doing with these pictures? I didn't get into asking her. But my friend, he's been um, he's been dead for about 14 years now. And I just thought about it. And as I'm talking to her, I see her, but I don't see the same full woman that I seen when Richard was alive. Which brought me to just even more of an understanding that no matter what, no matter how much time. A mother is never full, never the same person when their child is ripped from them. So it is Mother's Day or it's, it was Mother's Day yesterday. My mom always tells me it's always Mother's Day, not secluded to one day. So this is still, you know, fresh off of mother, a mother, official Mother's Day. I, I want to send some love to all the mothers that lost their children to homicide, lost their children to the streets, lost their children to, to, to things that could or could not have been avoided, to natural causes, accidents, that pain of a mother is, uh, I can have empathy, I can have sympathy, but I can never put my feet in your shoes and fully understand the pain that you feel. So happy Mother's Day. All this leading into the pimp and his mother. Okay. So I'm thinking back and I'm thinking back and I'm recycled back to when I was getting into pimping, when I was knee deep in pimping. And not just, even if it wasn't me, myself. Because like I said, I was, if you listen to early podcasts, I never even fully considered myself a pimp. Although, by definition, I was, I would always say I'm a Mac. A Mac and master all categories. Because I wouldn't necessarily just stick to pimping. If I had to sell some weed or something else, I would do that. I would do whatever it took. Because my goal was to make money and eventually hopefully make lots of money so that I could change the condition that I was living in my family had lived in since as long as I could remember which was a state of poverty so I think back to then I 
constantly go back to my seven core friends that I had was we came up and went into this pimp game together. And as I met and I come across hundreds of other pimps, I, um, I realized that my lifestyle and the way I grew up was identical to theirs and not just the pimps, but also the prostitutes, also the girls that grew up with us and grew up in the same conditions that we did. So our relationship with our mom was good, you know? Our moms, our moms were never, I got, not one of my friends were at odds with their mom. Of course we had arguments, even myself. I was out of the house at 15 and I didn't like my mom's new boyfriend. That's when I left, you know? So we, we had these little spits, but as far as our love for our mom was deep, someone ever touched our mom they would have hell to pay you know so our um our mom's relationship was really really good like i said one of my friends uh, one of my friends moms he 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 loved her but he also the boyfriend situation he had been abused by by her boyfriend at an early age and that kind of sent him away from the household the mom defended him kept him around um two of my uh, two of the, my seven friends they didn't have moms. They were foster children. They grew up in foster homes. They didn't know their, their their their. They knew their mom, but could not be with their mom for whatever that particular reason was. Um, none of us, none of us, not one man in that in, in my crew, not one young man, youth in my crew had a father in the home. None of us. Um, the closest was was Richard, who was murdered. His stepfather was in the home, but as far as being around us, to influence us, to talk to us, he was barely ever around. Really, really great dude, still around to this day, but as far as information and guidance, barely received it from him. He was always at work, and we, honestly, we weren't around him enough. By the time I even knew him at 15, we were already in the streets. We were already trying to find our way and navigate through this, this hell, so... Um, when we got into pimping, none of our moms were really anti it. And I say not really, but I mean, I can't remember a time where our parent, our mom ever told us not to do it. I can't remember a time where our moms ever sat us down or was angry with us. Like, you know, if, when you do something as a, as a kid, especially if you're still under your mom's house, so we've done other things where our mom have, even if we were, even when we were 15, 16 and running the streets, there was times when we did stuff our moms didn't agree with and they would yell at us or, you know, tell us, try and talk to us, talk us out of it or talk us into doing something better. But when it came to pimping, never happened. We were ne- it was never presented to us like a bad or wrong thing. Um, I remember one time, one time though, I, I think, let me go, how old was I? Probably 19 years, 18 19, 19 years old. Excuse me. Me and a few of my friends, um, the four of us, we were at my mom's house getting ready to leave, go do something. Um, I didn't live there at the time, but it was just hanging out at my mom's house. And one of my friends was there. One of, you know, one of my friends that was extra pretty, I'll say. You know, when something you may not know about the inner workings of the pimp culture, but pimps 
sometimes take on the characteristics and the behavior, the physical behavior of females. Dainty, the way they move their hands, the long hair. Some of these things are facts. Um, And a style of pimp, pimp look, pimp dress, matching, you know, the high fashion, not necessarily things that are, are connected with masculinity talking softer uh, not necessarily deep and hard and harsh like the stereotypical male so my mom had came to me and she said Armand you know being a pimp is close to being gay that's why they can be so mean to women because they don't like women because that's they want to be a woman I never gave it any more thought after that day. I kind of laughed her off. And uh, yeah, right, mom. I just thought she was talking shit. I just thought she was talking for real, talking for real shit. So um, although I bear witness to the truths in what she said, and nothing against homosexuals, if that's your walk of life, that's your walk of life. I'm not saying anything against you. I'm just really stating facts and things that my mother told me, okay? And uh, it's true, like not not the deepness of what she said, but the, the the characteristics. And I have witnessed you get almost you get feminine like. I have yet to really dig in and, and 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 figure out why that is and what that is. I haven't done the necessary uh you know meditation on that issue and thought about it, but it is true. Okay, so that probably stands out to me as the only time. One of our moms had said something negative towards, or a negative tone towards what we were doing with this pimp game. So, I, yeah, our parents, our mom was never anti it. So why did they allow it? They knew what we were doing. We often brought our girls over to each one of our mom's house. One of my friends, his girlfriend turned his girlfriend out to the game that his mom had already known for years, loved. Our moms knew about it. Why did they allow it? As a female, as a woman who should, you know, um, and, you know, the way most of most of us think, or I think now, and most of the people that are listening to this think, a woman should be anti a woman being involved in the street life in prostitution and selling her body for money so why did our moms allow it okay i think it's even deeper than the mother because really my whole community allowed it my whole uh, pimping and pandering what it was called at the time there was no human sex trafficking the term used when talking about uh, black males pimping and uh, having prostitutes it was not called human sex trafficking that's the new term so we, as a culture, had been so accustomed to pimp was almost a hero in the communities. And this started back in the 70s. If you want to do further research on that, get some black exploitation films from the 70s. One in particular, get the Mac, the M-A-C-K. Get the Mac. If you watch the Mac and you see the head, the lead character, Goldie, go back into the community with he has that group of kids that come around to the car 
and he's asking them how they were doing in school, how they were doing in life. And then he starts giving them money for kids. Here comes this black man, probably one of the only black men they've seen prosperous with a car, a nice car, the car of the day, that age, dressed nice, giving them money and talking encouragement to them. He's a hero to them. And although this movie is based on reality, this is not a fictional movie. This was the 70s. That 70s is the age and the time that our mothers grew up in. So the pimp for poor people, for impoverished people in the ghettos across America who don't, especially black and brown people who don't necessarily get the visual of prosperous uh, individuals that look like themselves, when they, the people they end up admiring are the ones that are successful in things like pimping. That's the one that young man is looking up to. The, and the women are looking up to. So you compound that with the fact that, you know, America in itself has never been treated the woman as equal. America itself has always had a, um, a pimp had become a term of endearment. So pimping to our parents, they didn't see any other option for us either deep down. Same, they didn't have belief in themselves to do anything really great. Most of them. My mom maybe a little, but it's so, that self-hate is so deeply rooted within us as black people that when our mom seen us a little bit successful, having money, having cars, to them, they thought we were okay. Most of our parents came from a drug background, being um, involved or users themselves. To see us happy, financially uh, coming up, driving cars that they've never drove and wish they could drive, why would they talk down upon that? They didn't see the problem. And they seen the girls we were with, none of which they did. we exposed them to the negative side. But most of, and the most, it was barely any negative side that we had seen at the time as youngsters in the game. The women weren't upset, mad, sad. They were there right along with us, coming in our mom's house. Sometimes we didn't have a, at early stage, we didn't have a place to, to necessarily call our own as far as a home. Um, we were living in hotels and on, on the constant move, and a girl may need to come in and take a shower at the house. They allowed it, made sure she was okay. I never remember a girl coming in sad, upset that our mothers had to see. I know a couple of times this happened where the mom ended up counseling the girl, you know. So the mom never seen a problem with us pimping and knowing that our girls were either prostituting or stripping or some sort of um, sex work. So maybe, um, and it not like I said, not just the mom, but the community, You're talking about an impoverished community that didn't see options for themselves, period. So to be a successful pimp, you weren't just a pimp, you were a hero. So what was the connection like with our moms? The connection like with our moms, we were super connected. We would talk to them about everything. When we go to jail, we talk to them about that. They'd be sad to help us out, bail us out if they could. Our moms, a connection with us, it wasn't distant. We're most of, like I said, we were raised 
by our mom, single-handedly, single-parent household. Our mom was our rock. And it also brought me to thinking, I was in a conversation with a um, grad student, I believe, um, yesterday, a new friend, reached out to me to ask me some questions about the life. And it came to me, the idea of why was it easy for us to, uh, to pimp on girls? Why was it easy and why did we not see of this as wrong and how how come it, it was easy for us to exploit women? Well, um, a few things came to mind. And one thing being, as a black man with no father figure in the household, no man around to show you the example of what a responsible man is like. Uh, you know, someone going to work, coming back, providing, protecting his family. Never seen that. Never had that in the household. Never had that role model to really display this so that you know what this is a man. This is what a man does. This is how he acts. This is how he behaves towards his woman. We had, on the contrary, a woman head figure that was the provider. We had a woman who was giving us money for school dances, money for lunch, money for everything we needed, clothes, shelter. Mom, mom was doing this. Mom was going to work. Mom was making sure the bills were paid. Mom was. Mom was the provider. So subconsciously, if this is going on since birth, as a little one where you're so, you're a sponge, your brain is a sponge, you're absorbing every bit of information and data that comes your way. This is what your concept of a provider is. So it's easy once you've grown and developed on top of other things that I'm not mentioning right now, but I'll, I'll touch back with. It's easy to um, make it okay for the woman to provide the money. Now compound that with years and years and years of hearing music and a culture that constantly told you, uh, this one song keeps coming to my head, but uh, the Dr. Dre song, bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. I repeat, plug ears if it's too vulgar, but bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. This is the chorus to the, and the title of the song. This is not the only song but an example of many, many, many songs that we constantly repeated in our heads before we even knew what a pimp was, we were demeaning and uh, lowering the value of a woman through our music, through our recital and constant um, brainwashing. I know it, of what it is now. We were self brainwashing ourselves to where a woman had no value. They're not shit, but a hoe and a trick. You know, I've never heard a hip hop song or that I listened to. They existed, but I didn't listen to them where a woman was praised or bigged up or just, uh, you know, talked about in an honorable way, except the songs that you heard of uh, a hip hop artist, a rapper talking about that had to do with their mother. Anybody else? You were a bitch. You were a hoe. You were a slut. You were doing some kind of sexual act to him. This is what we listen to. And just like we were listening to this, the females that grew up with us were listening to the same exact lyrics too. 
they were dancing and loving and reciting the same lyrics too. So if we're hearing the same lyrics and it's affecting my brain to view women in a certain way and a, uh, as a subhuman, how do you think the women were thinking about themselves? They were observing this and believing in this too, which lowered their self-confidence. So when it came around towards this epidemic and us getting into pimping and prostitution, it was easy for them to believe they were worthless. And now knowing the statistics, most of which were probably molested, touched or some sort when they were a young kid already. So that self-doubt, that self-hate was already there. Music just instilled it even more than we came as men disenfranchised also and made it even uh, pushed the line even further oh we're gonna have to do a podcast about music real soon man but this is real life this is real life and I'm, I'm 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 trying to be as honest with myself and with you as possible you may not agree with what i'm saying but this is my truth and from where i'm my background i don't know how long you've been familiar with human sex trafficking I'm 36 years old, going on 37 right now. I've been involved in around since I was 16 years old, where I was first made aware of pimping and immediately got into the lifestyle. It wasn't awareness and then, oh, am I going to do it? No, we jumped in. We jumped in the fire. Even before, I don't know why, but before we even um, went full-fledged with pimping, we thought pimp, we used to have pimp day at school where me and my friends Wednesday and Friday, we said it was pimp day as far as how we had to dress. So we would dress in nicer clothes and we knew that was pimp day. Before I even had a full understanding of what a pimp was and the work that a pimp did. And what prostitution was and the work that a prostitute did. So, man. I gotta breathe a little bit. So... Man, so moms, I just tapped in a little bit on moms even being involved, helping us out when it came to um, making sure our, our our girls were eating. Sometimes we were eating showers when needed. We had, you know, might have been out. Um, I know of a couple moms, not from my immediate friends, not from that seven core I keep referring to, but other associate pimps that I knew, and I, we called them pimp friends couple of them that their mothers actually got involved in the lifestyle and became um, like managers of sorts running their escort services taking calls sending calls I know matter of fact three now I can think of right now in my head three mothers that I know of of friends that did this so all of our moms reap benefits off of us pimping you being able to give them money when they need it Mind you, they're impoverished too. They've been in for longer, almost twice our our years of being in poverty. So yeah, I know of moms actually being involved. So our mothers, our mothers, we love them. Our moms now, at about that seven core, I have four of which are are no longer alive. They're dead. Four. There's three of us left right now. Three of my seven that are left right now. And it's sad. All of their moms are still here. I still engage with all of their moms. I'm a son to them still. And we we love our moms. 
we never would allow anything to happen to our mom. Now even far removed from, from pimping, our moms are actually, I mean, for the most part, are proud of us. I know all, all of my moms tell me they're proud of me and the work that I'm doing now. But our moms are all great women and we love them. But yeah, so the thoughts of this mothers with yesterday, no disrespect to our moms either. No disrespect to any any of the women that were involved in this game with us. And my, my goal with doing this and talking to the advocates is I just need you to understand the underlying problem to this urban domestic human sex trafficking. I had to add the urban. That I, domestic it just means still. There's so many different types of human sex trafficking in the States that even saying domestic can be misconstrued. I'm talking about urban human sex trafficking. I'm talking about pimping and pandering the prostitution that comes and is developed out of impoverished communities, ghettos, hoods, primarily involving black men and all kinds of women. But black men in America, that's where my expertise is. That's where my focus is. Um, and so the women, I can just not, not forget the same situations and the set of circumstances that created the urban domestic pimp, created the urban domestic prostitute, created our mom's mind state to be where our mom's mind state was. The same set of circumstances. And that, that's, a, that's a few different things, but the main is poverty. You leave anybody, any human being, without the basic necessities in life, they are going to do naturally anything in their power to survive. And then in our case, you flash this other America in our face our whole life. Show us a few prosperous black male figures through hip hop or through sports. And once we realize we came through sports, and the rap game is not that easy to get into. What else is there? So until the options, resources, and proper mentors and direction is given, I don't care how many pimps you incarcerate, the problem will never go away. Raising Pimp City. <laughs>